This is Jason Tarwater, and you're listening to the Urban to Country Podcast. Welcome to the Urban to Country Podcast, where we talk to outdoor enthusiasts about life, hunting, and how to make everyday epic. Hey guys and gals, welcome back to the Urban to Country Podcast. I am so happy to have you guys here. This week's episode is all about turkeys. I sit down with my good buddy Jason Tarwater and we dive into a variety of topics surrounding turkeys. Jason is a wealth of knowledge on the subject both in his personal life and also in his professional life where he is a regional director for the Wild Turkey Federation. And without further ado, Jason Tarwater. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with a familiar face, my uh, good buddy Jason Tarwater of the National Wild Turkey Federation. Are you proud of me for saying your, the name right? Yes, I've, I've heard it a million different ways. I heard somebody the other day, it, it was it was so bad. It was something like the foundation for wild turkeys. Yeah, I've heard Northwest wildlife turkey foundation i've heard <laughs> yeah about anything in between but uh yeah that's a win i got the name right so we can just end the podcast right now and <laughs> <laughs> call it a day call it a day now we're gonna do a fun podcast for you guys uh jason obviously with his background professionally knows a lot about turkeys but then also he's an avid turkey hunter himself and i'm an, uh, an aspiring turkey hunter so we thought what we would do for you guys is talk about turkey hunting in Montana, give you a real brief overview on how to um, maximize your hunting opportunities for turkey in Montana, and then do a quick dive into some strategy for hunting turkeys in Montana. And this is by no means going to cover everything. I mean, we could talk to you guys for days about turkey stuff, but we want to just give new hunters or people that are new to Montana or people that, you know, maybe have uh, not hunted turkeys before in Montana, just kind of a a brief overview so you can um, at least get started on your path to be a Montana turkey hunter. So Jason, why don't you talk about uh, what's the the application uh, timeline if people want to apply for a turkey tag in Montana? Yeah, so for the most part... um we're lucky as a resident we can just buy tags over the counter um if you live in or want to hunt in region four which is like that great falls area um there is a a, a draw still for that unit um the deadline for that's march 1st okay um so people have a little bit of time but it is a little bit earlier than the usual what the 15th that most people are used to with the deer and elk tags um we have for for draw tag that one's very limited it's a hard tag to draw mainly because of the population i mean that area gets very limited on habitat plus it you know the winters are really tough sure as, as well um the winter's coming off the front and everything there so um they have we have had luck um working with uh, fwp on getting the the tag allocations higher or the quotas higher um and I think that'll continue to happen, just like here in Region 3 where we're at um, last year. You know, we went from a draw tag to a general. So um, we're starting to work with the state 
uh, as an organization, our biologist is to uh, kind of increase the opportunity for for spring harvest across the state. So that's really the only um, the only draw tag. Um, you can buy a general tag, which is good for any of the other regions for one bird. You can fill that in in any of the other regions. Um, and I say one bird, one male. Um, Montana is a little different on that clarification too, because a lot of states it's one bearded turkey, um, and there's the occasionally you'll find the bearded hens. Yeah. Um, but in Montana it's male, so you really got to kind of know how to distinguish, you know. And in the spring it's really not that difficult. Um, sure. So. Um, but that yeah, that general tag it's good for all all regions except for region four. Um, so it's a pretty good opportunity if you travel around or want to travel around, you can use that tag anywhere. Um, and then all of the regions except for six and three, you can buy an additional regional tag. So one, two, five, and seven, um, you can buy an additional regional tag. It's still good for one, one male, but that basically gives you, um, another bird that you can harvest. Nice. So just... I just want to backtrack and talk about some lingo. So when we're talking about general tags for new hunters or people that aren't familiar, basically you can, if you have, you know, your conservation license and all the other things, but so you're all set up, ready to go to hunt. You can walk into a Walmart here in Helena, Montana, and you can buy a turkey tag. That's good for one male turkey. Yep. And, and you can do that in any of the regions. The way Montana is set up is we have seven regions, and you can do that in any of those regions except for region four. Yeah. And that is your general turkey tag. And what you're saying is in regions, what were those ones you listed off again? One, two, five, and seven. You can buy an additional yeah. turkey tag. Yeah, and we're also really lucky. Um, Our our tags are 650. Oh, dang. So it's almost a no-brainer to go ahead and buy buy two of them if you're going to be hunting one of those regions where you can um it's it's actually cheaper than our conservation stamp that's the prerequisite for that so um it's a pretty good deal yeah yeah for sure it's probably one of the if if not the cheapest in the country so yeah and the reason that people can buy those extra tags is that just you know high population numbers in those areas yeah okay yeah um one and two you know the western third of the state the numbers are actually increased enough to where um there's some hen additional hen tags that you can buy which is uh, an oddity really in the the turkey um regulations for a lot of states but um yeah they're they're the turkeys are doing so well um unfortunately a lot of it's on private ground um and so the hunting opportunity is very limited which another reason why the turkeys are doing so well so yeah one and two there's a, the numbers are insane i mean you've been in that area yeah there there's a lot of birds that are over there <laughs> a lot um, of turkeys. and same with five and seven and that's more because it's just really good habitat um seven used to be the stronghold really for the miriam's turkeys at um ashland area southeast corner of the state but that fire that we had in 12 i believe it was kind of turned a good forested area into almost a grassland area so those birds they're they're still down there they were just very slow to recover but gotcha. uh, you can still get that additional tag down there 
So do you know, and I'm going to put you on the spot here for a second, if a guy or gal was really feeling motivated and wanted to travel all over the state, do you know how many total turkeys someone could harvest? I was trying to do the math in my head while you were talking. So you can you can hold up to 12 licenses in a, in a year. Jeez. Um, but that would be if you draw that Region 4 tag. Um and if you buy basically as many hen tags as possible in those those western um basically regions one and they've actually broke that out into counties like Missoula and or Valley County you can buy four hen tags okay so um if you're going to hunt the western side um i would recommend really getting out the regulations book to figure out you know where you're going to be at and what tags you can use, or maybe you want to go buy some additional ones. Sure. And that's the caveat for all this stuff, guys, is double-check everything we're saying with the regs. Talk to your local biologists, uh, your local fish and wildlife um, departments, and they can clarify any questions that you might have. Or you can email us, and we'll we'll try to do our best to answer you. But uh, there's a lot of opportunity to hunt turkeys, which is, for me, one of the really appealing things about hunting them. It's just you can get out and you know, in the springtime and do a lot of hunting, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And you can, you can hunt them all day. I mean, it's like the great thing about, you know, elk hunting or, or antelope hunting, for instance, you know, they're, they're out moving around quite a bit throughout the day and turkeys, you know, some of my favorite, favorite times to hunts that 10 o'clock to two o'clock in the afternoon. I've had a lot of success there. You can sleep in if you want to, you know, it's, it's not necessarily you have to get up super early all the time, but, um, yeah, they're just, uh, they're they're a fun bird to hunt and like you said in montana not a lot of people think about this state for turkey hunting but um a little bit of research you can definitely have a good time with it nice so let's talk about a little bit of strategy because montana is different um it's it's you definitely can hunt it from a blind but there's a lot of places where that might not be effective so i guess give us a like a ten thousand foot view of what's Generally speaking, what's the best way to hunt turkeys in Montana, in your opinion? Um, so obviously, you know, you kind of got to figure out a place to start. And for the most part, you know, I'm generalizing here, uh, most of your foothills and drainages coming out of our mountain ranges, most of them have some turkeys. You know, others are going to be higher populations and areas. Um but, you know, for our spring season, the dates that it falls on, you're going to find a lot of birds right on that forest service and, and private land boundary. Um, kind of that, that foothills, that's a transition area. The birds, as the snow melts and things green up up the mountain, um, the birds, you know, they have a small migration almost that goes up. Um, so you kind of look for that really good what i would call quality forested habitat which is more of a open landscape um you know like in eastern montana they love the ponderosa pines um when you've got good grass and forb mixture um creates you know good habitat for insects um lots of food you know those ponderosas make good roosting sites so um so you want to look for places with big trees big trees and and not a lot of deadfall yeah yeah it's not necessarily like you're going to be hunting in elk bedding areas or something right. you know <laughs> um but i have been surprised i've seen some turkeys go through some really thick stuff um 
but for the most part yeah pretty open you know they like pasture land and and uh crop fields you know if you're hunting around areas where there's some crops nice so, so sorry backtracking real quick what's the when does the season start for spring turkey what's the date so ours opens up the 13th it's always the second saturday the 13th of, of april of april okay yeah and then it runs through i'd have to look uh it's usually the third third full week or yeah third full week of uh may gotcha cool so one thing that a lot of people notice is that there's turkeys everywhere on farms and ranches Mm -hmm. and obviously that's a great place to go if you can get permission so what are some as a turkey hunter how do you approach a landowner who who's got a bunch of turkeys on his land yeah i mean you know in in general i've never had any issues just driving up and knocking on the door and ask permission um and in montana i feel like um especially if you get in those places where there may be so many birds on private ground that it, that they're a problem um i don't think too many people have problems getting permission you know a lot of times the landowners kind of want somebody in there to if it's nothing else just to run them off um but it's like it's no different than getting asking permission to hunt anything else you know it's all about being polite respectful um if if you got to walk you got to walk a little bit right you don't want to be driving on their property and that sort of thing so um but I, I do feel like people have a lot better odds of gaining permission to something like turkey hunting as opposed to you know the big game that landowners are probably used to people knocking on their door for yeah so do you almost approach him like hey buddy i see you got this pesky bird yeah pooping all over your yard yeah yeah you definitely could approach it like that like you're doing them a favor um <laughs> And and we've had you know I've I've asked people permission before and they uh, you know jokingly yeah as long as you shoot like five of them you know <laughs> um, so there is times where the, you, you are helping the landowner out um, you know and there's beginning to be more and more private land um, enrolled in block management in the spring for turkeys gotcha I know regions one and two five and seven no not five six and seven have uh, participated the last year or two and i think it's going to increase um every year so i've I've actually hunted and yeah and killed birds on block management so and we as an organization um the last two years have contributed to that program to try to help that out as well so very cool yeah and if you don't know what block management is it's a pretty awesome program so in montana a landowner can enroll his or her property in block management and that effectively grants uh, for I'm generalizing here but it effectively grants blanket access to that portion of their property there's some stipulations with that where you might have to go sign sign in or you might have to get written permission from the landowner you know prior to the beginning of the hunt but it's a really great program so that's a that's another great place to look is look for block management and see if uh, there's some turkeys there because it's most of the year it's private property and they just open it up for uh, for hunting opportunities. So yeah, and it's uh it's not as heavily advertised as like our fall opportunities with block management. So mm-hmm. um, you have pretty good luck by just calling whatever region you're in, calling the the regional office um, for FWP and and asking them you know if they have any enrollments open and 
where they might suggest if they've got any landowners that are having complaints about turkeys, they'll probably be the first place they'll send you. Nice. So, so you're you're a flatlander. So this <laughs> I'm going to qualify this question. But in Montana, would you rather hunt private or do you rather hunt public land? Um. And, and that's a tough one because uh, I I like to hunt where there's birds, right? Yeah. Um I've asked permission. I've got permission. Um, I've shot birds on private land, but it's it's kind of like uh, most things, you know. Public land, a lot of sometimes you have to work for it a little bit more. You might have to walk over into the next drainage, um, get away from the roads a little bit, or the birds just might be a little more call shy. So you got to be more patient with them. Um, we ran into that last year when yeah. when we were trying to get you a bird. That bird wasn't call shot. He was afraid of calls. <laughs> he, was, um, he was running the other way. Yeah, so um, I, I love public land hunting. Um, I'm not going to limit myself just to public right. land hunting. But, um, yeah, I, there, there's something a little that, that gets me going a little bit more on, on the public land side of things. I, I'm trying to think. You know, last year I killed – um, I killed a bird in Kansas on public land that I used to manage. So that was pretty, That's pretty cool. neat for me. Um, and I think in Montana, actually I think in Montana we have killed all of our turkeys on, on public land. So, or block management. Nice. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity on, we've got a lot of forest service ground. That's actually pretty good habitat for birds, especially in the spring. So, yeah. So on public land, are you setting up a blind? Are you using decoys? Like, I mean, those are things that most people associate with private land mm-hmm. hunting where you can set up a blind, leave it there for a couple of days, have some decoys out. But are you doing the same kind of thing on public land or are you switching it up? I'm not a blind hunter very good. Okay. Um, I I have patience, right, because I grew up in the Midwest, so I, I'm used to sitting in a tree stand for hours. It's not a patience thing. It's... I like to chase, I like to find birds that are going to play. Um, you know, I've bumped birds before that haven't answered to my calls and that's fine by me. I'm looking for the one that's ready to answer and ready to put on a show. Um, you know, I have put up blinds in the past, but it's only because of weather. If it's raining Mm -hmm. or snowing, you know, in some, some cases, um, I just don't have, if I can't hear a bird gobbling or answering calls i've got to keep going and and find one um i do use decoys mainly because a lot of areas that i do hunt um is pretty open and birds can see and you know you get a bird that's just halfway call shy and they're really bad about hanging up out of range they'll just sit there you know like the the natural way of of the turkey mating world is toms gobble and the hens come to them and so you're sitting there being a fake hen trying to call him to you if he can't see anything he's just gonna hang up and wait for a hen to come to him so um i do use decoys for the most part try to get them to close that extra distance and then um i primarily archery hunt as well and so when you're archery hunting you got to have all the all the tricks that you that you can pull out um you know a lot of guys use a blind when they're archery hunting which is completely fine i just I try to make it as hard on myself as I can. So yeah. my, my bit why I only shot one bird last year. And I was back <laughs> in Kansas. So is what decoys do you use? What's the go-to? Yeah, there's, man, I tell you, I, it's like waterfowl decoys. Um, when I first started turkey hunting, I had two or three of like the foam carry light, 
You could roll them up and put them in your pocket almost. They did not look realistic whatsoever, um, but they worked. Um, and, and nowadays, guys are spending you know over a hundred bucks on a single Jake or strutting Tom decoy. Um, but if you get back and look at the thing, it looks like somebody mounted a bird. You know, and yeah. so um, what I use personally is um, Avian X makes some really good ones. They're fairly portable. They're a little heavy duty if you if you're worried about the weight of them, um, but they look good. They're really durable. Um, I got a little carrying bag I can throw them over my shoulder. Um, but what I usually use as a Jake and a Hen setup um, just seems to really help get the the toms a little aggravated. Um, usually helps helps to close the deal. But um, yeah, I mean guys. It, you guys can spend a heck of a lot of money on on decoys if uh, if they really wanted to. It's kind of funny how things have progressed throughout the years. Oh geez, yeah, and, and literally just within maybe the last fifteen years too. Yeah, and I use the Primos um, ones. I've got a I've got a Jake and a Hen, and I forget which line it is, but they were like thirty, forty bucks. Yeah, for the two of them at uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, and they came with a bag and stakes and everything, and they work. I mean. I haven't obviously killed a turkey yet, but I've had I've had turkeys come into them. Uh, it's just a matter of closing the deal. So, uh, yeah, I'd say spend your money on your tags and, and on the decoys. If you want to get a set of decoys, you can do that pretty inexpensively, and the cheap ones seem to work. The expensive ones work. It's just a matter of finding that system that works for you. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, part of the reason <clears throat> to give a shameless shout-out to Avian the, the reason that I use them is because they're one of our national partners as an organization. And they do a lot for the NWTF, and so it's kind of my way of saying thank you as well yeah. by by having those. Cool, and we'll link to them in the show notes. That I like to support companies that support conservation, so that's a good one to check out. What uh, what calls are you using? Oh man, I don't. Which I know is I, I've seen your call <laughs> kit. You got like thirty calls in there. <laughs> I, uh, um, so I have, I'm trying to think here. I have some Woodhavens. They make a really good, I, I'm more of a mouth call and a slate call guy. Um, I have some Woodhaven mouth calls that I've liked. Um, started using those a few years ago. Um, uh, my slate calls, actually I've been using the, the, those for probably 10 years and those are Cody. Um, uh, I bought one at Walmart years ago. Um, and at the time it was a lot of money for me. It was like a $40 call. You know, I was in college and broke and I was like, ah, oh, it's really expensive slate call. It's gotta be good. And, uh, I've, I fell in love with that thing. And as soon as I cut, I bought two or three more just in case they quit making them. And, uh, so I've got a handful of those. Those are kind of my, my go-tos. Um, for somebody that's beginning, I, I wouldn't start or necessarily suggest starting with like a mouth call. Mm. Um, the slate calls are not that hard to use, just like everything practice. Um, box calls, or uh, they have these push-pull peg calls now that you just literally, literally push a pin, and it or this little wooden peg, and it sounds... You can get them to sound good enough. Yeah. Um, box calls in, in our world are actually really, really valuable um, because the birds, like our Miriams that we have around here, are very active. They're very vocal. 
and a lot of times it's some open country you might be hunting so you got to kind of get out reach out there and, and touch them with that box call and get really loud with it and they're fairly easy to operate yeah so yeah i would agree with that when i started learning how to call and i'm no great caller but i i started using a slate mm-hmm. call and that was the first thing i i learned on and this year my goal is to move up to a mouth call but yeah the slate was pretty easy i mean i was able to sound fairly passable and uh called a few turkeys in with it so i would recommend get in a slate and once again i think i i have the primos one and it was super cheap and yeah one of my available everywhere one of my favorite ones from many years ago um primo it was a primos they made one called a jackpot and it was a very smaller diameter slate call and i still have that in my truck actually i saw it the other day um it's always been kind of my backup in case i lose one or, or something like that but it was another one of those several years ago that i really liked it and i bought actually me and my old roommate we bought like four or five of them a piece just nice. to, just to make sure we had them because we're always <laughs> losing them yeah um but yeah and you know there's there's some great call makers out there there's some guys that can make custom calls make them look nice um yeah. i've got a couple of those but um i always seem to go back to the the same few so i i like having the diaphragm the mouth call um to mix things up if for some reason not having any luck with the slate um but also when you know when birds start working and coming in you don't want that movement of the slate call so you got to do something to uh um to help the situation that mouth call can really come into play even if it's just you know if a bird comes in strutting um if you're using a shotgun you, you kind of want to avoid trying to shoot them in the head when they're strutting it's very uh protected with their feathers mm, and how, yeah. they, how they tuck their head back and so that mouth call can be really good to just putt really loud really quickly and they'll lift their head up trying to figure out what's going on and then you know you can take a shot but yes yeah they can be very uh very good and this is a cliche but there's a lot of similarities between turkey hunting and elk hunting and one thing that I appreciated about hunting with you was just that ability to set the scene by having you set up away from me so that we could bring a turkey in past me and I'm not the one making the noise so that it can, you know, peg where I'm at. And so it it is cliche, but the similar, the similarities are, are real that if you you know, just like if you were elk hunting, if you can have a collar set up um, and bring them into the collar past the hunter, um, that's a, a great strategy. So yeah, yeah, there's diehard elk guys out there that will will hate using that comparison because um, you know there's there's a big difference between elk and turkeys. But, Absolutely, but you are correct. I mean, I I've grown up turkey hunting my whole life, and then you know just the last few years um, got up here in Montana and started elk hunting and. I don't do things much different. Um, so th- as for hunting them, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of crossover. Yeah. Well, as we, uh, get ready to wrap up here, what's your number one piece of advice for people hunting turkeys? Number one piece of advice. Um, I'll give you two. Sweet. Just because, just, uh, just cause I'm a nice guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good good camo to be honest with the turkeys have mm. a crazy good eyesight they can see color um face mask gloves you know camo hat 
you know, pretty much head to toe. Um, you know, it's like you said, it's similar to elk hunting. If you call, if if elk could see color, you know, it would just make that game so much harder. And that's pretty much like a turkey; they can see color. They're always always looking. Um, and then the other thing is, you have to sit very very still. Um, they can pick you out. I've gotten picked out from birds that I I don't know if they saw me breathe or me blink. I'm not really sure, but uh, yeah, they definitely. You got to have a good hide. Um, they're a smart bird, especially when you get them in twenty, thirty yards, and it doesn't take them very long to figure out something's up. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I appreciate you sharing your uh, knowledge on turkeys with us. Hopefully, we can uh, hear some success stories from from some guys out there. Yeah. You know, you've got a bunch of stuff coming up with NWTF. Is there anything you want to plug or make people aware of? Um, we've got a really cool filming project that I, I think is going to come to fruition. Um, it's going to highlight some of our habitat work this year. Um, but no, I mean, we're this time of year, we're kicking off our banquet season, which is our main fundraisers. Um, it's where we get a lot of the money. Actually, it's where we get primarily most of the money to do you know the help with the prescribed burning that the forest service does and and timber thinning and um the block management you know access stuff and um so be on the lookout for you know banquets near you um and if you don't have one near you give me a call and we can definitely work with you to set one up absolutely yeah go to a banquet get a membership support nw2f they do really good work and they uh they're all about the right things in conservation, getting people involved, the habitat, you know, taking care of the species and of course hunting. So any final thoughts, man? No, I'm just, uh, itching for April to get here. Actually, uh, actually late March, I think I might end up in Nebraska. They have a really early archery open. Nice. So, and I'll be down close to there doing banquets in Wyoming. So very cool. Well, hopefully we'll see some uh, pictures of you with a Turkey here in a little bit then. Yeah. After the season I had last year, I'm, I'm hoping things go a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people are in the same boat for sure. Yeah. We need to get you one this year too. That's the plan. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, friends, another podcast is in the books. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. For more great content, connect with Urban to Country on social media or on our website, urbantocountry.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a review. Your feedback helps us as we develop content for future episodes. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, make life epic.